Hello, welcome to Flour, Butter, Eggs, Sugar. My name is Kate and I'm the host of this podcast, uh, which is all about home baking and it is uh, recorded in my small London kitchen. And today I'm going to be talking about fruit cocktail cake, as well as what I've been baking this week. So it's going to be a good episode. Um, I'm very excited to get started. Let's go. So um, this week I had some time off work, so I did quite a lot of baking actually, but I'm just going to talk about three things that I baked, which is plenty to be getting on with, isn't it? So uh, first of all, I baked semler, which I mentioned last week, which are a sort of thing that is commonly eaten on uh, Shrove Tuesday, um, just before the start of Lent. But if you want to make these now, I will certainly not judge you. Um, and they are a sort of cardamom spiced uh, sweet enriched bun, which then is containing a kind of uh, marzipan mixture. Um, and then it's topped with whipped cream. So they're absolutely delicious, by the way. Um I roughly followed Ed Kimber's recipe, but added a little bit more cardamom. Um, I've got the uh, Fika and Huga Scandi Kitchen Cookbook, so I kind of try to tend to like follow the spicing there because I think it's probably a bit more um, authentic, I guess, and I'm not afraid of spice. So this had a little bit more cardamom in it than Ed Kimber's recipe. Um, the... I did a couple of things differently from the from his recipe actually, so I proved overnight to enjoy the buns the next morning. Um, so we, I baked them the following morning. Uh, I I uh, didn't use the full five hundred milliliters of cream. I just used three hundred milliliters, and I found that that was enough. Um. And the, something I would do differently next time is, I don't know how authentic this is, so please uh, let me know if it, if it's not. But I found that the filling was like a bit bitty. You mix together for it uh, the crumbs from the inside with some marzipan. And preferably you want to use a marzipan that's lower in sugar than normal. Um, so the ones that you can buy from like Scandinavia are for baking are about 50% sugar. So I was lucky enough to have one of those around. So I used that. Um, and so, yeah, you mix the crumbs and some marzipan and a little bit of, uh, custard or cream, but I found that it was a bit lumpy so I think that I would use um, maybe a food processor next time but I really really enjoyed these they were extremely good 
and they were well spiced, they were creamy, they were almondy, they had really nice textures, they were sort of giving me everything I needed. So I would highly recommend Semler, if not for whenever, then for next year for Shrove Tuesday. Really, really delicious. Um, something else that I had a go at baking was crumpets. Well, you don't bake crumpets, you sort of fry them, uh, but I'm including them. And um, these didn't go quite to plan. So I misread the recipe and I was using um, a regular Issa wine recipe from her book, Oats in, Oats in the North, Wheat from the South. Or um, I think its alternative title is like the British Baking Book or something. Um, so I was using her recipes. Her recipes are very, very good normally. And it's not this is not the recipe's fault whatsoever, but I just misread it. And I think I'm just so used to making bread that I just automatically made like a dough. But for crumpets, you need a batter. So I accidentally missed out about half the liquid. Um, I added the buttermilk, but I didn't add the water that was needed. Um, and then what I found the next morning trying to, uh, trying to like get these ready for frying was that because it wasn't a batter, it was really hard to mix in the baking powder and stuff um, that you had to mix in the next day. So I felt a bit silly, um, but never mind. Um, next time I'll make sure that I actually make batter. And I think at some point I'll feature like a recipe for this. Another way that I adapted it was by sort of letting them prove overnight um, and that's like really convenient and nice and then you can have like freshly made crumpets that morning so I'll try to at some point I'll feature like a recipe and um, I'm going to have another go at making them soon um, and yeah I think uh try again next time but to be fair they weren't all bad they were just a bit flat and they didn't have the bubbles that I was looking for from a crumpet. Crumpets famously have loads and loads of little holes in the top and then all of your butter just like soaks through the holes and they're just completely nuttily delicious. Um, these still had a really good flavour. They still had, surprisingly maybe, um, given how badly I messed up the, the beginning bit, they still had a really soft texture. Um, and it was a really solid recipe. Uh, so next time I'm sure that I'll get it right. Um, the other thing I did differently was that in the original recipe, she calls for um, olive oil to grease the crumpet rings and also to uh, fry it, fry in. But I was like, no, let's fry in butter. So I greased the rings and fried all of them in butter. And as long as your heat isn't too high, um, I didn't find that they burnt. So next time I'll, when I try it again, we'll see if it's if it still works when, when the batter's made properly. But I think frying them in butter is, I mean, it's very good. Maybe I don't know if it's authentic. 
it might not be but it is delicious um so yeah those are lovely and then the other thing that i made was a walnut pear and blue cheese tart i feel like i'm i may have mentioned this before in another another week in what i've been baking but this recipe is from the good food um christmas vegetarian magazine and uh i just absolutely love the pastry the filling's all right i feel like the way it's done it's like done for beauty rather than necessarily having an even distribution of filling throughout so you sort of keep the pears almost intact but sliced and I feel they would just be better spread out because then you'd get a little bit of juicy pear in each bite so I'm going to sort of tinker around with that a bit but the pastry is absolutely incredible um it's made with half wholemeal flour and half plain and then you will include um as well as the normal butter and salt you will include some blue cheese and some ground walnuts and then the walnuts i didn't bother toasting because but they really like toast when you're when you bake the pastry and this pastry is um, toasty, it's nutty, it's extremely short, it's rich, it's just everything that I'm looking for. Uh, and it was like a little bit of work because I had to blind bake it because it's quite a wet filling. But then you have the most crispy pastry. It's just just wonderful stuff so again maybe i'll try and feature that pastry at some point because it is magnificent um i just really 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 enjoyed it so that's a little bit about what i've been baking this week um i've got some exciting things coming up which i'll talk about at the end and onwards and upwards to our fruit cocktail cake let's go so on to the method for the fruit cocktail cake this is a very straightforward equal weights cake, um, which I mean, I haven't kind of made up, but it's just using principles that are really, really common in baking. So I'm not claiming to be any kind of genius. What I find is that if I do an equal weights cake, it's the ideal for adding some kind of fruit or some kind of extra moisture to, because I think that um for at least for my taste just a sort of plain equal weights cake can be a little bit on the dry side so i quite like using these to uh sort of add things like fruit into so that it's not it the kind of dryness means that it can cope with the amount of fruit without it just being a complete mess so um, and, and you need quite a lot of egg as well. I think in various other cake recipes, you wouldn't use this much egg, but that really helps the cake to set really nicely. And again, it stops it from being a sloppy mess. So let's get go through the ingredients. Um, you would start with your can of fruit cocktail. 
So uh, I used like a standard size can, which I think is about 420 grams. You want 180 grams of light brown soft sugar. You want 180 grams of butter. I used salted, but you could just use unsalted with a pinch of salt. You want um, a teaspoon of vanilla sugar or extract. You can maybe up this, by the way, to two teaspoons if you wanted to. I kind of let the brown sugar be a kind of the kind of dominant flavour, but up to you. Uh, you'll want to have 180 grams of plain flour plus a tablespoon um, for to toss the fruit in. Uh, you want a, a teaspoon of baking powder and three UK large eggs, um, which are 180 grams in weight, basically. So it's 180 grams for nearly everything, isn't it? Other than t the vanilla and the fruit. And then for the coconut topping, you need 50 grams of desiccated coconut, 30 grams of light brown soft sugar and 50 grams of butter and again I used salted but you could use unsalted with a pinch of salt and just to say here that you could change up the sugar here if you wanted to if you used something like demerara turbinado even granulated it would be a bit crunchier but I opted to use the same sugar in the cake in the topping just because it was easier and I really, really like the flavour of the light brown soft sugar. So to the so onto the method, you preheat the oven. Um it's this is just like 180 throughout this cake, isn't it? And it's 180 degrees C, which um would be 160 degrees fan or 350 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's gas four. Um, drain the fruit. Uh, you may want to reserve the juice for like putting in cocktails or drinking um, diluted with a bit of water. It's quite tasty. You will grease and line uh, your cake tin. So I used a 23 centimetre um, round cake tin, which is spring form and non-stick. Um, and yeah, I think that's what you probably need for best results really um and I, the way i that i do that is that i grease and line the whole sorry i grease the whole thing and when i'm greasing tins i usually use the same fat that's in the recipe so i use butter here and then i lined it with um parchment paper but i only really line the bottom when i'm using an, a spring form so um just just that's how I grease them um then you want to make your coconut topping so melt the butter uh, I just did that in the microwave stir in the sugar stir in the coconut set aside that's it um you only want the butter to be just melted you're not trying to make brown butter or anything like that so just go easy um you could do this in a pan um, or you could melt it gently in the microwave. It might only need like 30 seconds, depending on how powerful your microwave is. <clears throat> uh, 
So onto the main cake, you cream the butter and sugar. Okay, very sort of standard cake recipe here. But what I've learned recently is that I wasn't really creaming my my butter and sugar well enough. Um, and therefore, it's more likely for the mixture to split. And ideally, you want a kind of emulsif uh, an emulsion because it just leads to a fluffier cake. Uh, I mean, the chemical leavening will help, obviously, as well from the baking powder. But uh, the the purpose of creaming is to is to help it form an emulsion and also to help it aerate. So it isn't just um, a sort of mixing step. This is this is a kind of uh, it's got there's more to, to it than that. So I now do it for a few minutes with an electric whisk, um, whether that's using a, a, stand, a stand mixer or my handheld whisk. Um, if you're using a stand mixer particularly, you really need to, I find, stop it um, every so often, scrape down the sides, scrape, scrape down the bottom, really get into the bottom, because I've been finding that I've I found like unmixed mixture right at the bottom. Um, so cream it for like a few minutes at least, and then making sure it's really, really light and fluffy. It should like change and change color, not just texture. Then you add your eggs one at a time, and then you, you need to incorporate them each time well into the mixture. If it does start to split, you can just add a little bit of flour to help it on along its way. But, um, I didn't find that I needed to. And that's kind of the ideal. So eat, you add the eggs one at a time and then really beating well um, after each egg. Um, you then sift in the flour and the baking powder and stir that in um, or whisk it in. doesn't really matter. But you don't want to kind of overdo that because um, you are not trying to form gluten and overworking the flour will make the cake kind of chewy or maybe a bit tough. Um, so that is a, just a mixing or incorporating step. Then you will stir the fruit with a tablespoon of flour in a separate bowl um, and then stir that gently into the mixture. And again, that is just an incorporating step. Um, and the purpose of the flour is to help the fruit from not all sinking to the bottom. It is a bit tricky because the fruit's so wet. So I did find a bit of sinkage, but it did definitely help it. And there were some bits that were further up. So I think it's definitely worth doing. Um, so then you will pour that mixture into your cake pan. Then you'll sprinkle over your topping and it will need to be baked for about an hour until a skewer comes out clean from the centre. Um, and I found this take took at least an hour um, in my oven because it, it's just such a large cake that it really takes quite a long time um, to reach the middle. So it's just don't be afraid to just leave it in even longer and 
if you're finding that that it's burning on the top then you can put foil over it loosely if you're finding that it's going to get a bit too brown on the bottom you could just turn the oven down a bit but you definitely want it to be totally set in the middle i don't think this is a the type of cake where having a raw middle would really work so definitely make sure that you follow the, that instruction correctly um Obviously, if a bit of fruit comes out on the skewer, that's fine. But you just don't want any raw batter. Um, so that's how you make the cake. And let me tell you about why I really enjoyed this cake. So the fruit on its own, I am not that sold on. But the fruit in this cake, I think, is really good. It kind of, it's like really soft and it's quite sweet. Um, but not overly so and there's a nice mixture of different textures within the fruit cocktail so I really enjoyed it um, particularly though the coconut topping the coconut topping makes this cake and you shouldn't skip it um, unless you you know for example maybe can't eat coconut but it's just so good um even if you can't eat coconut, you could make something similar with a bit of flour, uh, like a streusel. I think it would definitely be better than not having it because, oof, the coconut with the fruit is really delicious. And also the contrasting textures, the fluffy cake, and then this like crunch, crispy, crunchy topping. Oof, it's just really, it's really, really good. And I, the other thing that I really enjoyed about this cake is the light brown soft sugar. It's It's got obviously those like caramelly kind of notes and I just really enjoy it. And I often will replace white sugar with it in various recipes because it's just really got a much deeper, more complex flavour. So I would really recommend this cake. It's quite a large cake. So if you, it will last a few days, like two to three days, um, if you seal it well. But you may want to sort of share it with others if you can. Um, I know that might be very difficult depending on where you live. We're in a full full national lockdown still in Britain, Britain the UK. But you may want to sort of share this with people because it's, as I say, quite a large cake. But it is, you could also freeze it. I would probably portion it up, then freeze it. And then defrost however many pieces I wanted. Um, but it's really delicious. It's quite a surprising cake. Because it is, I don't think it's that usual to have a tin of fruit cocktail in a cake. Especially with the topping. Um, and I think it's all round kind of a winner. It's the sort of cake that you want with a cup of tea or coffee um, and you sort of could have a couple of slices of it a day, to be honest. Um, we didn't have any problems getting through this. Uh, <laughs> it was easy to eat, let's say, and it goes really well with a cup of tea. So we very much enjoyed it. It's not Something you'd serve necessarily for a fancy occasion. It's more like a kind of counter cake or 
an afternoon tea type of cake. It's something that you is really delicious, absolutely delicious, but it's not necessarily a looker. It's like brown uh, from all the caram caramelization on the outside. Um, and then it doesn't have any icing. Obviously, it's got this like topping. So it's sort of knobbly on the top, but it's extremely tasty and perfect with just like a little drizzle of cream. We happen to have single cream in the house, so that's what I do. That's what I used. But you could use like a double cream, um, whatever you whatever you fancy, really. So that's the fruit cocktail cake. Um, and let's get on to the last segment of the episode. So we are nearly at the end of Tintasting Month. Um, and just to say that there were so many other things that I could have featured. One that in particular that stands out like a sore thumb to me is a pineapple upside down cake. And just tinned pineapples in general. I think other than pears, they're probably my favourite tinned fruit. And they're just absolutely delicious. So perhaps at some point, maybe in a different type, a different time, maybe a different theme, I think I will try and do a pineapple upside down cake because I just love it so much. Um, but we couldn't do everything. We couldn't include every tinned ingredient in baking. So um, maybe another, maybe another time. But next week we are going to be talking about tres leches cake. And um, I'm going to be talking about how much I love condensed milk as an ingredient. All of the different, well, not all of them because we don't have time, but many of the different applications for condensed milk and ways to include them in, in baking recipes. So it's going to be a good one. And I've been kind of honing this, this Tres Leches cake. I've made in three different versions now. So I will hopefully be able to provide you with a really solid recipe um, for making making this um, and the best sort of toppings, etc. and best soaks, etc. Um, so that's what's going to be coming up and it's going to be like spiced how you like. So I'm going to include um, different spices that you could use and what proport what kind of quantities that you would probably want to use to get the right kind of level of spicing um so that is a quite nice segue into what's coming up after that which is spices nice month and i'm going to be talking about things that are more maybe unusual spices in baking so things like um, pink peppercorns sumac caraway seeds uh various others so that's going to be for the month of March. I'm going to be talking about kind of spices and unusual spices in Spices Nice Month. Um, so that's the end of the episode. Thank you once again very much for listening. Um, do go to flourbutteregsugar.com for the recipes. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Find our Facebook listeners group. Um just get involved and you can drop me an email if you'd like to at flourbuttereggsugar at gmail.com um, and let me know if you try any of the 
written recipes. Um, okay, thank you very much. Take care and happy baking. Bye.